Do you ever wonder what your epitaph will be? What will be on your tombstone that summarizes the life that you have lived? I suppose I like the hypochondriac who said he wanted on his, I told you I was sick. <laughs> I thought about it some, and I think I might have on mine, only the shell is here, the nut has departed. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. I might be able to do better, but for right now, that's as far as I've gotten. I think about the Apostle Paul. If I were writing his epitaph, if I were determining something to be placed on his tombstone, it probably would be, I have kept the faith, because that was a testament of his life. The Apostle Paul kept the faith, even when he was in a Roman prison, facing the executioner. He said, I fought a good fight, kept the faith, and finished my course. If I were thinking about John the Apostle, I would probably say that his epitaph would be, the disciple Jesus loved. Because that's the way he referred to himself in the gospel. He didn't call himself by name but he referred to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Simon Peter, his would be a little more difficult. You know, Peter had a lot of ups and downs. He oftentimes spoke before he thought. So his epitaph might be, I've done it again, because he had a lot of ups and downs in his life. Truth is, I probably identify more with Peter than I do with some of the others, and maybe that would be good for me as well. There's a story in the Old Testament that could give us the epitaph for King Saul. Now, Saul was determined to kill David. He was not successful in doing so, and David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't. When David called that to his attention, Saul replied, I have played the fool, and that very well could be the epitaph for his life. I want you to look at the story with me in 1 Samuel chapter 26, beginning in verse number 17. Then Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord the king. He also said, Why then is my lord pursuing his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my lord, the king, listen to the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is men, cursed are they before the Lord, for they have driven me out today that I should have no attachment with the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Now then, do not let my blood fall to the ground away from the presence of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to search for a single flea, just as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will not harm you again, because my life was precious in your sight this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have committed a serious error. The word fool is used in the Bible 66 times. Vine says it means without reason, not understanding, dull, sluggish, without discernment. 
Now, none of, uh, of us wants to be a fool. But what are the characteristics of one who is a fool? And I want to share several with you today. First of all, a fool neglects godly counsel. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 15, the writer wrote, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So the scripture then says a fool is someone who does not listen to godly counsel. And certainly that was characteristic of King Saul. Now, you probably remember the story of Saul as to how he became the king. He was appointed as king by Samuel the prophet. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 1, Then Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have listened to your voice in all that you said to me, and I have appointed you a king over you. Now, Samuel said, I have listened to the voice of the people. You wanted a king, so I am appointing a king. And the king he appointed was Saul. But after Saul became king, he stopped listening to Samuel. After he had been appointed as the king, he no longer listens to the godly counsel of the man of God. Another example, I suppose, would be Naaman. Naaman was a military officer who had leprosy. There was a servant girl in his house who said to him, there is a prophet in Israel. If you go to him, then he will heal your leprosy. Well, Naaman decided that he would go and see the prophet Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him telling him what to do. In 2 Kings 5.10, and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. So Naaman then, a military officer with leprosy, went to the prophet wanting to know what he should do in order to be restored to health. Elisha sent word to him to go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. When Naaman heard that, he was livid. The Bible says in 2 Kings 5.11, But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. You notice what Naaman said? I thought. He already had a plan as to how this was going to work. He went to the man of God for a solution. When the man of God gave him a solution, it wasn't what he was expecting. And so the Bible says he was furious as a result. He said, I thought he would come to me. He didn't come to him. He sent a messenger. Did Elisha not know who he was? Did he not know that he was a famous military commander? He said, I thought he would come to me, that he would stand before me. After all, I am a man of some power. I'm a man of some influence. I thought he would come out to me and stand before me, that he would say something. That he would call on the name of the Lord his God. And that he would do something. He would wave his hand over the leprosy and then I would be healed. You know, we like all of that stuff, don't we? We want someone to have a little more dramatic flair when it comes to the things of God. I thought he would come out to me. He would stand before me. 
He would call on the name of the Lord his God. He would wave his hand over the leprosy and then I would be healed. But he did not immediately listen to the counsel of a godly man. He did ultimately, but he did not immediately. Now let me ask you, do you listen to the godly counsel of godly people? Young people, let me ask you, you students, do you listen to the counsel of your parents? Because no one loves you more. No one. No one loves you more than your parents. And when they say you are to do something, it's because they love you. When they say you are not to do something, it is because they love you and they only want the best for you. So do you listen to the godly counsel of your parents? What about the godly counsel of your grandparents? Do you listen to that? Hank was trying to decide where he was going to college. And so he and I went out to supper one night. And we talked about the options that were available to him. After we talked for a while, I said, Hank, do you have any questions? And he said, no, I just wanted to know what you thought. Do you listen to the counsel of your parents? Do you listen to the counsel of your grandparents? Because they really love you and want the best for you. Do you listen to the counsel of wise people in the church? I think one of the reasons that I have been blessed of the Lord as I have is that God, for whatever reason, has always put godly counselors in my path, and I have listened to them. John Bassanio has given me incredible counsel through the years that shaped my life and my ministry. Richard Jackson pastored the North Phoenix Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona, built a great church there. I was talking with Richard one time, and I said, Richard, tell me, how did you build a church? I mean, he, goes, he went out there and just started with virtually nothing and built this tremendous church in Phoenix. I said, how did you do that? He said, well, we just tried to do the basics well. He said, uh, because what you catch them with is what you keep them with. And if you catch them with the circus, it's going to take a circus to keep them. And when a bigger circus comes to town, you're going to lose them anyway. And so that made sense to me. I thought, you know, we just need to build on the Word of God and have the, uh, the study of the Word of God and worship and just those basic things, not anything fancy about it, just basic things that made sense to me. Herschel Hobbs has been a wonderful counselor to me through the years up until he died. I had him to come and preach here when uh, I first came to First Baptist. He's a wonderful counselor to me. Warren Halgren. Warren Halgren pastored the First Baptist Church in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was with him at the Petroleum Club one time, and everyone there wanted to come by and see Dr. Halgren. They'd come by, and it didn't make any difference who they were. They would come by, whether they were Jewish or Catholic or Episcopalian or Baptist or Charismatic. They'd all come by to see Dr. Halgren. And I said, Dr. Halgren, I said, let me ask you a question. I've heard you preach, and you're very conservative in your preaching, but everybody seems to love you. They seem to respect you. Why? And he said, well... I suppose it's because I am very strict on myself 
but I'm very liberal with you because both of us are going to stand before God and answer to God. And that made sense to me. Our church is filled with godly people. Do you look to them for counsel? Linda has said on many occasions that she has looked to the church to learn how to be a wife, to learn how to be a mother, and she has patterned after those people she has known in the church. Our church is filled with godly people. People, do you listen to them? Do you look to them? You see, a fool is someone who neglects godly counsel. There might be counsel all around you, but if you're a foolish person, you neglect that counsel. You don't listen to it. Secondly, a fool ignores God's commands. Now, one of the ways we do that is to run ahead of God sometimes. When my dog Tex was alive, boy, that's the best dog God ever made. I miss old Tex. But when he was alive, I'd take him for a walk, and Tex would get out in front of me, and he'd run. He's smelling of everything and watching everything. And do it. But when we would come to a fork in the road, 